Hello and welcome to The Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean here with a, a new guest for you from Locked On Wisconsin, uh, basketball writer Asher Lowe. Asher, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, excited to have a little uh, scouting report here, opposing perspective on things. We're recording this on Friday. I know Wisconsin has a game tonight, correct? Yeah, they play UW-Green Bay tonight. Yeah, so should anything noteworthy happen in that one, we're not going to be up to date with that. But we can talk a little bit big picture about Wisconsin. I know the expectations coming into the season, uh, you guys were projected to finish 10th in the Big Ten, correct? Yeah, and I think most people had us in between, I'd say, 8th and 12th is kind of the range. Mm. What were your the personal expectations for this season? So I came into this season with pretty low expectations in terms of wins and losses, but I think that fans are excited to just see new faces out there. We had years of the same core and that core had success at Wisconsin, won a big 10 regular season title is the most notable accomplishment, but I think fans were ready for a change. And I think it was good that most of those guys did not come back as super seniors, both for them, both for themselves and for the program. I think it was the, the time to move on. Uh, and of course, Brad Davison is back. He's the lone member of that 2020 senior class that is returning and is back and in the starting lineup for Wisconsin. But the rest of the guys are new, new faces pretty much all across the board. Transfers that Wisconsin got this past summer, uh, younger players stepping into bigger roles, leadership roles for guys like Tyler Wall, who's now a junior. And all of a sudden, a guy that two years ago felt like the only freshman that played is all of a sudden a junior leader. Johnny Davis, obviously the name that gets thrown around most. He's a rising sophomore now and a guy that will step into the lead offensive role, take the most shots on this team and be that on-ball creator that he really didn't have to be as much of last year as a freshman. So I think the expectations were not thinking about wins and losses, but thinking about player development. And I think the expectations are that you see these young guys start at one place at the beginning of the year and end at a totally, hopefully different place in March in a better place, whether it be the freshman in Chucky Hepburn, Lauren Bowman, whether it be the transfers in Jacoby Neath and the young bigs and Stephen Crowell and Ben Carlson. I think it's individual improvement relating to team improvement this year. And you mentioned the name right there that I think is going to be the one to highlight for this Wisconsin team, Chucky Hepburn. I mean, he's the first Badger to start the opener as a true freshman in two decades, scored 13 points in that opener. This is a four-star recruit. How excited are you guys for him? Yeah, and the last one to do it was Devin Harris, who only stayed three years because he was an NBA lottery pick. And we all know how his NBA career went, had some pretty, pretty damn good years in the association. So big shoes to fill for sure for Chucky, but... Man, it's his defense, I think, that sticks out the most. You'll see it right away. He's going to guard the best guard on the opposing team, assuming that player is probably like 6'5 and under, I would say. Uh, he's the best point of attack defender on the team. He doesn't really get shifted at all, and I, I noticed that in literally two games. You can just tell. I know all of his Nebraska high school tape showed this as well, but an amazing on-ball defender just sticks to you and moves with you so, so well. And his offense is coming along. I think his shot looked better than I maybe I thought it would to start the year, although small sample size there, so we don't know yet. But, man, his defense is unbelievably impressive. He's a guy that Wisconsin fans are going to absolutely love. He fills that Wisconsin fan mold of, of players that Badger fans have just fallen in love with over the years. Really hardworking defenders that uh, aren't the most athletic players in the world, but get by with intelligence and uh, strength and uh, aggressiveness. 
Yeah, and that's rare for a guy to come in as a true freshman and play defense like that right off the bat. Usually there's that adjustment period, but you guys didn't see that game one? Not even in the slightest. And uh, St. Francis obviously isn't a Big Ten quality opponent. You're not playing Big Ten quality guards. But, I mean, he smothered. He smothered whoever he was on uh, in that game. 94 feet kind of guy, too. He wants to pick you up. And uh, he's going to force some turnovers in the backcourt. I just know it. Kind of like almost the way TJ McConnell plays defense uh, in Indiana. It's a random comparison, but I just listened to TJ's uh, episode on the long shot podcast with Duncan Robinson. So I guess he's in my head. He kind of reminds me of a TJ McConnell in terms of the way he plays defense. He's not going to like stick out to you as a highlight defender. If that makes sense. Like he's not going to come up with some Dwayne Wade level block at the guard position or uh, make some incredible acrobatic steal. He's a guy that's going to pick you up all game long. Doesn't really get tired of doing it and is going to give you absolute nightmares all all the way down the floor. You have to get it over the the line with him, like get it over half court with him. That's going to be a struggle sometimes for guards. Yeah, I mean, and having a guy that's steady and consistent like that might almost be more valuable in some ways than the guy that makes the highlight level flashy plays. You can grind down opponents that when you get to those last four minutes, they, they don't want anything to do with them anymore. Yeah, we caught, we have a joke in, in a group chat I'm in, a basketball group chat I'm in. He's not a mixtape defender. Like He's not a guy that is going to make a couple insane defensive plays in a game, but overall actually isn't helping team defense that much or raising the floor of your team's defense. He's a guy that is as consistent as it comes in terms of staying in front of the ball handler and uh, moving laterally. Yeah, and it's not too shabby when that guy is also your second leading scorer in game one. Hepburn had 13 points, knocked down two three-pointers. But let's talk about the leading scorer, Jonathan Davis. Sophomore also made his first career start in game one. I know the Badgers are expecting a lot for him this season. They are, and I think he's the clear best player on this team, and nobody would disagree with that. I also loved, and in game one, he didn't shoot well. But what I did love about game one, if you look at the box score against St. Francis, and obviously in a game like that, you can't really take away a ton in terms of a win or a loss or overall team impressions. But I do think you can take away things from rotations and who who took what shots and what shots the coach wanted you to take, like like different process type of stuff, right? Instead of just results. And I think process Mm -hmm. is important in any game of the year. And you can learn a lot from it, especially the first one. Johnny Davis took 15 shots in this game. And last year, I, there were times where I wanted him to take more. He took 15 shots. The next highest badger was Steven Crow, who took nine. So I really like that shot distribution in terms of him being the clear uh, guy that's going to take the offensive load, take 15 shots, take in the double digits of attempts every single game, whether he's shooting well or not, because he didn't really shoot well against St. Francis. He didn't take bad shots. He just didn't knock down a couple open threes that I think will go in for him as the year progresses. But 15 shot attempts is a really good sign for me for a guy that had a great summer, played on a FIBA U19 gold medal winning team with USA and uh, a ton of other absolute studs, Jaden Ivey, uh, Kenny Lofton. I mean, so many guys played on that team and, and were absolutely awesome. And so to watch him with Patrick Baldwin Jr., another Wisconsin guy, uh, all those talented players, and to see him hold his own was awesome. And I think he's carried that into game one. Yeah, that's impressive to take that many shots, kind of own the game in only 26 minutes played. And you add five assists to that. So obviously he has the ball quite a bit. He's running this offense. And at least on the stat sheet, he looks like he's a confident player. 
Yeah, I think Wisconsin's offense is a little strange in the way of, I wouldn't say anybody runs the Wisconsin offense. It's much more of a team system, the swing principles that have been in place since Bo Ryan and are still in place with Greg Gard. They don't run swing action every time down the floor, but uh, there's usually some essence of it. It's more of a, a five guys working together type of thing, but late shot clock, that's when I noticed. It was like, yeah, we're going to give the ball to Johnny and get out of the way. You know, having a guy like that that you can turn to is always clutch. And hearing you talk about the offense that way, I think there are some similarities with the Friars offense and how sometimes, I mean, you have your your actions that you go to, your movements, and then sometimes you get late in the shot clock. you got to have that guy. So, I mean, especially if he's a sophomore and he can give it to you now, that's promising for the future. Uh, next few years, see what Wisconsin can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope he continues to develop into an NBA prospect because I do think that is his ceiling. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you look up and down this lineup too. Lots. I mean, you got, you got Brad Davison, obviously, who's the senior started his 125th game in game one, but just about everybody else. There's a lot of youth here. I had, I checked this on Ken Palm uh, right before this Wisconsin is 242nd when it comes to experience in college basketball this year. It's a very young team. That's, it's quite a number. It's the antithesis of last year's team, too. I don't know if you heard anything about last year's team, if you watched any of those games, if you listened to broadcasts, but there were notes every single game about how old last year's starting lineup was. There was the fun note of they're older than the Chicago Bulls starting lineup in terms of average age. That got thrown around basically all year last year. I feel like on every <laughs> broadcast I heard. They are the absolute opposite of that this year, obviously. A very, very young team. A team full of guys that, if you look at the one, two, three, four, five six, seven, eight, nine guys that got a lot of time in that St. Francis game that are clearly the rotation of nine guys. I mean, you have Hepburn, right? True freshman. Crowell barely played last year at all, like, like barely played. Ben Carlson was hurt at the beginning of the year, barely played. You have Chris Vogt transfer, Lauren Bowman freshman, Jacoby Neath transfer. I mean, most of these guys have never played Wisconsin basketball. That's it's incredible to hear because it's and you talk about Wisconsin last year. That's what the Friars are this year. That stat we saw in game one that show up to the Friars are older than Oklahoma City this year. That's the young team in the NBA. There you go. There you go. You had your own version. I like it. Yeah. So this it's very much opposite ends of the spectrum there. The Friars are the 14th most experienced team in college basketball. So I think that uh, experience versus youth and high level talent is going to be a storyline to watch in this one. And honestly, with the way we've seen the transfer portal play out, probably the overarching story for college basketball this year. Yeah, I, I would agree for sure. And Wisconsin took advantage of the transfer portal, but didn't necessarily bring in a ton of veteran guys. Chris Vogt played a lot of college basketball and was at Cincinnati last year and is a good rim protector. But yeah, Wisconsin stayed young. And I think that was by design. I mean, whatever works for you, if you can develop the guys staying young works. Uh, I want to take a second here, zoom out, look at this even bigger picture. This is going to be the first or this will actually be the second of the Gavit games that gets played on Monday night. What has your perspective been on the Gavit games as a series coming from the Big Ten side? I like it. I mean, I like it. I think anything in college basketball that creates two good conferences going up against each other, right? The Big Ten ACC challenge is always the one that we point to every year and kind of circle on the calendar. But the Big East is still a good league. 
Uh, it's still a good league. It's not what it once was. We don't need to get into that right now. But <laughs> it's still a really good league. And I think that anything that pits two quality teams up against each other early in the season, especially when, and I almost wish it was Wisconsin that could do it in some ways this early in the season, but when you can go into a really tough road environment to win in, and that's an advantage for Providence, I think early in this year, it may not turn into a win for them at the Cole Center, but I think it only helps them down the road to go into these kinds of environments in Big Ten play and go try and get a win at the Cole Center, a place that has been, you know, one of college basketball's toughest venues to win in for the last two decades. I think that really benefits good teams that want to be in the NCAA tournament and expect to be playing in March when they can play these early season road tests. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that might be even bigger of a factor this year when you consider that these guys haven't played in front of fans in a while. I mean, this is the first time the Friars, Friars are going to play in front of a hostile environment since... I, I'm trying to remember what their last road game would have been before COVID. It might have been the game at Villanova that they won in an upset, something like that. It's been a while. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we get, I think tonight actually, so St. Francis, the crowd wasn't great, I'll be perfectly honest, but it's the home opener. It's Tuesday. It's St. Francis. I'm not shocked by that. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I think, is going to be a phenomenal crowd, and that's not because of the game. That's because of Bo Ryan. Tonight is Bo Ryan night mm-hmm. at Wisconsin. They're honoring their former legendary coach, and his son, Will Ryan, is the coach of Green Bay. So, obviously, it was the night to do it, and it's going to be a Ryan family affair. So, I think the crowd will be very amped, and especially it's a Friday night. I think it'll be a really nice crowd tonight. I hope on a Monday, on the 15th, we get an absolutely awesome rocket environment at the Cole Center because that is far and away – the biggest game for Wisconsin on the early season calendar until Marquette. Now, I know they do jump around at the football games. Do they do that at the basketball games as well? They don't do it at the basketball games. There are their own basketball traditions, but I would say none of them can match, obviously, jump around or the football traditions in general. The football traditions are just freaking awesome. Yeah, it's funny. Doing research for this episode and for uh, just Wisconsin basketball in general, you really have to specify basketball in anything because Google just defaults to football when you look up any facts about Wisconsin athletics. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's clear that football is the one, but there have been years like pretty recently where basketball is just as big in Madison. It just depends on the team, right? But football always will be number one in Madison, Wisconsin, and in the state of Wisconsin. Like, I'm an outsider. I came from California, and the thing that immediately shocked me was the Packers there, like, aren't a sports team. They are literally life for a lot of those people. (laughs) It is life. On Sundays, it shuts down. Well, that's – I mean, that's something – you look at a place like Green Bay. I mean, what other small town like that could host an NFL team? To have that, to be able to host a team like that, you got to have that culture around them. It's almost like a myth the way a football team interacts with the the uh, what do you call it, the people there. You know, it's 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 a crazy football culture for sure. But like I said, the basketball culture is really good. High school basketball in the state, I think, has elevated the platform of the sport in general in the state because recently, I mean, you'd know this just as a basketball fan, the amount of guys from the state of Wisconsin that are high, high profile recruits and absolutely killing it. The college ranks and the NBA ranks recently has been amazing to watch over the last say decade. Yeah. It's incredible to see it. I mean, not even uh, the whole Midwest has been like that. The uh, one of the Friars recruits this year is from Northern Michigan, Michigan too. Yeah. 
Yeah, that whole area, it's becoming a lot bigger for basketball. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the development of the sport long term. But yeah, I know we've, we've gotten ourselves far away from this game. We'll come back to it. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. This is going to be the late start Monday night. So make sure that you're ready for this one. You might need to have a coffee before it to make sure you can stay up if you're on the East Coast. What's your prediction for this one? You can go ahead and give a score prediction if you want. I think Providence wins. Um, really? I think Providence wins. And I think that this is Wisconsin's first test with all these young guys, right? I hope the crowd is awesome. It's not easy to win in the Kohl Center. But I think that the experience factor early in the season will come into play. And I think that Wisconsin simply doesn't have enough offensive identity right now to where if they get down in a game and like, listen, they're going to rely on their defense all year. And I think it'll be a very good defense when it's all said and done, the numbers will show it. But I think this team lacks an offensive identity right now. And that's didn't surprise me. They don't know who they are quite yet. And that's okay. But I think Providence knows who they are much better than the Badgers do at this point on that end of the floor. And I think that's why uh, Nate Watson and crew can carry the Friars to a victory. That's right. I'm picking the Dodgers. Yeah, I I could see you're just pandering to the audience. You're coming on the Providence show. I'm going to pick it on Lockdown Badgers, too. I promise you. I promise you. (laughs) All right. right. Well, uh, thank you for coming on, Asher. I'll let you plug yourself. Where can the people find you? Uh, They can find me at BadgersWire.com, talking Wisconsin basketball and football. Lockdown Badgers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We cover Wisconsin athletics on the pod with my friend Ben Kenny, my co-host. And uh, on Twitter at ALOW underscore 33, I'm always talking hoops, draft, all that good stuff. Yeah, make sure to go give him a follow. He's a high-quality basketball guy. And make sure you stay tuned. This is the Flex Hoops. Next up, Joe is going to be joining me to break this game down from the Providence perspective. Welcome back to The Flex. This is Matt St. Jean. You just heard Asher Lowe from Locked on Badgers. I'm back with Joe Howie now. We're going to give you our thoughts on what Asher had to say and talk a little bit about this Providence-Wisconsin game. How are you doing this morning, Joe? I am doing pretty good. It's Sunday morning, and uh, tomorrow the Friars will take on Wisconsin. We're getting a little bit closer to Thanksgiving, so I'm doing pretty well. I am... You know, I'm not too happy with the defensive performance of the Friars this past week, but, you know, that's why we're in November and, and, you know, we have a a long way to go. So let's get into it. Yeah. And speaking of defensive performances, uh, Friday night after Asher and I recorded, Wisconsin played Green Bay and held them to just 34 points. They won that one 72 to 34. So Wisconsin will be 2-0 heading into this matchup. The Friars also 2-0, obviously. When you heard that scouting report on the Badgers, what were your first thoughts? I, I think after listening to Asher's takeaways, my Biggest overarching thought of this matchup is goes back to that old saying age before beauty, because it sounds like Wisconsin is a young but athletically gifted team and if athletically talented. So you're coming in the Providence Friars, which, like you said, Matt, we have a, an older starting five than the Oklahoma City Thunder. It, it's really it's going to be experience versus raw talent. And 
I think that is the the big theme you want to look at going into Monday. Um, what worries me about the Friars is yes, we are experienced, but we are an experienced roster with severe defensive inefficiencies. Yeah, that has certainly been eye-opening to start the season. Uh, this Friars defense did figure things out to some extent in the second half against Sacred Heart, but they've really struggled when it comes to stopping the dribble drive, and this is a theme we saw last year. Um, and I'm not really sure if that's something, something that they have addressed since last season. I don't think anybody in the starting lineup is a fantastic defender. So going up against a Wisconsin team that has been a little bit hit or miss on offense, this could be what that offense is looking for, playing a Friars defense that maybe isn't in its top shape. Yeah, I mean, dribble drive penetration is one of, I think, three concerning factors. Dribble drive penetration, Matt, I think perimeter defense is another big one. I mean, you let, you let up eight three-pointers to Sacred Heart in just the first half alone. And I think switching on ball screens is another big one. I know Ed Cooley preaches to stay home, but if you're caught on the bad end of a good screen, you're going to leave someone wide open for a jump shot. I, I just, I, there's no communication defensively with this team. Yeah. Uh, of course, the Friars have had, they had a short break before that Sacred Heart game. Not a lot of time to take away from the film and address things. Now they've had a longer break here. You get the full weekend to sit back, rest a little bit. So you should be at full health coming into this contest. And to go with that, you get a shot to address some of these issues in practice and work on them. Are there any specific players you want to see step up that you think are going to be very important for this game Monday night? I think Nate Watson. Um, Asher talked about some of the younger big men on Wisconsin. I, I think as one of, if not the most experienced big men in the country this season, Watson should really capitalize on his on his knowledge, on his expertise, and should have a day in the paint. I, I feel like that's going to come with how we use him, too, because if he's being double and triple teamed, you know, I think he needs to be confident in his other guys that they're going to hit perimeter shots if he's kicking the ball out. Because if not, he's just going to go right to the rack. And as we saw against Sacred Heart, if he's being triple teamed, that might be a problem. No matter how big and strong he is, if you have three full-grown men guarding you, it's difficult to get a shot off. And he's human. He's a superhuman, but he's still human. So I think Nate Watson is the guy you need to really watch with this game. I think you're bringing in an old savvy center against two new young guys. I think he's the guy that needs to, to get the momentum going and set the pace for the Friars. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And I think he's kind of going to be that guy all season long. I, mean, I think that's his role on this team as a leader and clearly the best player on the roster. Agreed. And then if I was going to pick a, a sub guy, so 1A, I would say Al Durham because so far I've been extremely impressed with Al Durham. I I think – how do I phrase this? I, I think he needs to lose the I'm the guy mentality specifically with pull-up threes four feet beyond the three-point arc in transition. Like let's knock that off because he has a great dribble drive. He has a nifty array of ball handling moves that he can use. I think if you get him going downhill, it opens up the floor, one, for all the other shooters, but two, it, it gets the defense, the Wisconsin defense on high alert for him, so then maybe they're going to pull some guys out of the paint off of Watson. So you need Dur the ball in Durham's hands a lot this game. Yeah, 
And Durham is a guy who has experience against Wisconsin, too. He comes from the Big Ten. He played at Indiana, averages more than 10 points a game against this Wisconsin team in five games against them before this. So, yeah, I think having that experience and that, I mean, that can only help this team. And I mean, it kind of comes back to that experience. Like you said, age versus beauty. How do you think that's going to play into it? This experience for the Friars going on the road for the first time this season and playing in front of a crowd for the first time in a year and a half, a, a, a um, road crowd. <laughs> uh, so I heard you and Asher talking about that uh, and the Cole Center. To be completely honest, just coming and I'm trying to empathize with former college students. A Monday night tip off might not be the best uh, stadium filling at or setup. I don't even know how to how to phrase that, but uh, what time would it be in Wisconsin? What are they an hour behind us? Yeah, so it'd be an eight p.m. game there. So it'd be an eight p.m. Monday night game. I mean, I don't think they're going to get a shoddy crowd. You can hear my dogs in the background. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're going to get a shoddy crowd, but I don't think it. I don't think that anyone is expecting Gonzaga to come to town and pack the stadium. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think there's something to be said about playing in front of an opposing crowd, especially an opposing crowd from a different conference that doesn't know you very well, because a lot of times opposing crowds can be ruthless. So I think this is a big test, maybe not for Watson and Reeves because they've been there, done that. But for the likes of Horkler, Manaya, Durham, Bynum, like some of these guys that are newer to the roster that kind of haven't been on the Friars in front of an opposing crowd. So I'm going to be interested to see how that's going to impact them. And also, I, I think when you're an older team and you go on the road, you should have a little swagger about you. I, I think you need to own what you're doing. Like this isn't, you, you know, maybe Bynum is the exception. Breed is the exception. This isn't the first time any of these guys have traveled across the country to play a basketball game. Like this should be like, all right, I know how to do this. That, that should be the mentality going into the game. Yeah. I mean, I think you would expect that mentality. I mean, they should know how to handle this. A lot of these guys have been there before. It's been a while. The last Friars road game with a crowd was Leap Day in 2020, that road win at Villanova. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens here. I think the Friars usually play better in loud environments anyway. I think they'd rather play in front of a loud crowd on the road than a quiet one. And I don't know. I mean, well, all we can say is we'll see how it impacts them. This is uh, the first test for them in a while. We don't have any baseline really for these guys of how they're going to perform. Now, let's talk about the Friars against the Big Ten in general. Providence played against Indiana last year, a neutral site game, lost that one. And they played at Northwestern two seasons ago as part of these Gavit games. And they lost that one to a Northwestern team that is not very good. How do you feel about Ed Cooley against the Big Ten in general and in big games like this on the road? I feel I feel like the sample size is large enough to look at this from a bird's eye perspective and say that Providence t- has not been successful in recent years against the Big Ten. I also think you need to take into consideration the calendar timing of when we play these Big Ten opponents. Typically, it's the second or third or fourth game of the season after Providence has rolled a couple of cupcake mid-major programs. And then you go, let's see, 
three in a row now have not been at the dunk. So you leave Providence, you go and play uh, another power conference school, and you lose. So I, I I don't think it's the biggest indicator of the talent on this Providence team. I think it's more so uh, an early season test to see how we will compete with high-level basketball is my takeaway from it. And like I said on Friday when we recorded, I won't be upset if we lose this game. Like if we compete and we play a gritty game against another power conference opponent, I won't be upset if we lose the game. I'll be upset if we go in there and we get our teeth kicked in like we did against Northwestern two seasons ago. Yeah, because I think you can absolutely lose the game and still come away from it with positive stuff. I mean, you look at when Providence played Minnesota at the dunk was that four or five years ago friars lost and they ended up losing that game by double digits but that was a really good ball game for most of it and the friars looked good and that was clearly a confidence booster for a friars team that we saw later put things together in the base tournament would beat the national champion villanova a friars team that could play with the big boys so i think that's kind of what we're looking for here show that you can compete that's a great point, Matt. Uh, the Minnesota season. I think that was the 2017-2018 season. Mm-hmm. Fantastic point because that game, the Friars had a double-digit lead at early on in the second half. That was the Kyron Cartwright senior year team yeah. when Emmett Holt was hurt and Khalif Young started at the five. Yeah, so that is a great example because we wound up losing that game. I think Minnesota pulled away in like the final three or four minutes. But that Friars team turned out to be okay and made it to the Big East Tournament Championship game. So I don't Mm -hmm. think that any Friar fan or any college basketball fan in general should take these early season Gavit games to heart. I think it's an early it's an early exposure to high level competition, but it's in no way an indicator of your team's success because a lot changes throughout the tenure of a college basketball season. Yeah, it's not as much about the result. It's what you can learn from the game that I think is important. Although you'd like the result as well. It's certainly not a great indicator that Ed Cooley's one in three in the Gavit games and the Friars have not beaten a Big Ten team since uh, it was November of 2015. That was a home game against Illinois. They lost to Ohio State the year after that. Then they lost to Minnesota. Um, they did not play in the Gavit games the following year, but they did happen to play Michigan in a neutral site game, lost that one. Then you have the loss to Northwestern and the loss to Indiana last year. So that's quite a stretch of losses in a row. Some good losses, some not. And this Wisconsin game, it's going to be certainly an interesting test. I don't really know what to expect. I don't know if you do either. We can make predictions in a little bit here. But, I mean, I think it's anybody's guess as to what happened. Ken Palm gives the Friars a 25% chance at winning. They have Wisconsin as the top 40 team in the country. I will say the Friars moved up 10 spots after the win against Sacred Heart. They came into the year at 85. They are now at 75. So the metrics like the Friars a lot more after last week. I mean, statistically, I would hope so. You beat Sacred Heart by 28 points. I would hope we rise in the Ken Palm after that. But Sometimes, Matt, and you and I know this all too well, statistics don't always tell the story. Uh, I mean, statistically, if you look at the Providence-Villanova champion, Big East Tournament Championship game, Providence statistically had a better game, but the momentum shifted to Villanova in overtime. And that's mm-hmm. really like what happens. Statistically, Villanova outscored us in overtime, but momentum told the story of that second half completely. Yeah. 
They took uh, and there was that that one fluky play. The ball bounced around, gets to Bridges, the top of the key. He nails the three pointer, and you just knew that was over. Like bounces were going Villanova's way. They had momentum, and that's it. Right. That's something that the statisti- the statisticians, however, how does that word said? Statisticians. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> there's just there's so many narratives and storylines that you can't pull from a box score, especially with this sport. So. I just I think that's important to keep in mind, especially going into this game. Both of these teams, you know, this is an opportunity for them to prove themselves early on. I think John Rothstein, my favorite college basketball reporter, (laughs) alluded to that in a tweet after the Providence Sacred Heart game. And this is a time I'm going to agree with him. He is right. Wisconsin and Providence both come into this 2-0. They're both from power conferences. And this is really a legitimacy test for each team. Like, okay. You beat your first two opponents. Good job. That's what you're supposed to do. Now let's see if you can beat a higher level opponent. And I think yeah. that's exactly what you're looking at here. Yeah. Uh, a couple of tidbits just to add on here. If the Friars win, then they will be 3-0 and for the first time since that 2015-16 season, which is when they beat Illinois. And the Friars are 3-1 and all the time against Wisconsin. They did win. The last game played against Wisconsin was back in 1996. It was part of that 96-97 season when Providence made it to the Elite Eight. Providence won at Wisconsin that year, the only other game they've ever played out there, 59-57. So, I mean, I, and I looked for a box. I looked for as much information as I could find on this game. I can't find anything. I'd love to let you guys know a little bit more about that one, but... I can't even find a box score. But, yeah, that's the history between these two teams. Now, Joe, I want to shift and look a little bit bigger picture. Look at the rest of the Big East while we're doing this because we got the Gavit games this week. It's not just Providence against Wisconsin. There's a lot of other games. Are there any in particular that you're looking forward to? Um, I think Illinois at Marquette has definitely piqued my interest. Um just because uh, Illinois was a great team last year and Marquette is in a rebuilding year, I'm interested to see because this is a I'd say this is a bigger test for Marquette Monday night than it is for Providence. So I'm very interested to see how Marquette plays against the power team. Just looking down the roster here, yeah, my, Michigan Mar- State Marquette just Marquette just struggled against UNH, <laughs> so they need something going for them. This is a huge test. I agree. I think. Seton Hall at Michigan and Michigan State at Butler are the two that are, you know, catching my eye right now, specifically Michigan State at Butler, because Aaron Thompson returns from his three game suspension before this game. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays a role in the Butler Bulldogs lineup against this Michigan State team. Yeah, that's a great point that Aaron Thompson is going to be back for that one. Butler will need him. Uh, They've also, I mean, the analytics for the most part like them so far this season. They're 3-0. They played a a lot of games in that first week. The other game that jumps out to me here, Ohio State at Xavier. A little intrastate battle there to the Ohio teams. This is a Xavier team that I thought was going to be very good coming into the year. But they uh, they had an interesting first week. I mean, they only beat Niagara by three points. Well, keep in mind, I don't think Zach Fremantle has played yet. I think there's something going on with him. Uh, Maybe a little injury. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw the Big East Media Day. He had his leg up on the desk in like a boot or a cast or something. Yeah. So uh, I wouldn't hang your hat uh, on this first week Xavier team statistic. Um, Yeah. I think Fremantle is a big piece in what they do. 
and like think of it this way what if noah horkler was injured you know yeah well we would not have won the fairfield game probably and we probably would have struggled a little more against sacred heart so just keep in mind like going in to you know these early season games the the rosters of each big east team and who's in and who's out like aaron thompson is out for butler so when he comes back i'm expecting a completely different butler team yeah so and i mean this week is going to be a really interesting test for both conferences to see where they stand i'm excited for it there's going to be a lot of good basketball this week it all starts uh, marquette and illinois for the Gavit games, that'll be 7 o'clock Monday night. And then after that, you're going to get this Friars game. Providence taking on Wisconsin, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. local time. That'll be on Fox Sports 1. Joe, do you want to make a prediction for us? Yes, I do. Just real quick. These late night, uh, early season games are, are really taking a toll on my sleep schedule, man. What, oh, that, what was it Friday night? 8, 11.30 p.m., Villanova, UCLA? Come on. That that game went until 2 in the morning. I mean, I watched the whole thing, and it was worth That was a fantastic game. But, yeah, not, not great for my sleep schedule. <laughs> I, I watched the whole game, too. It looked like a Final Four game. And, and mm-hmm. to be completely honest, I am surprised that UCLA won. They, their shot selection was awful. Hey, the, the the best shot selection is the one that goes in, and they hit them. So, I oh, mean, right. those are just two good teams. <laughs> and defensively, Villanova has a huge hole in the paint. I I, I mean, oh, Eric, Eric Dixon looked good, but oh. he's nothing spectacular. You're right; that is a weakness for them. Oh no, Eric Dixon had a fine game. I mean, yeah. offensively, Villanova looked fine. They looked exactly the same. You know. Catch to shoot the whole nine yards with Villanova. They looked exactly the same. Defensively, they did not look like Villanova, especially in the paint. They got out rebounded by thirteen. So I, I, I'm expecting Villanova to struggle against the likes of us, Connecticut, Georgetown, historically bigger Big East teams. But that's for another podcast. Yeah, um, and Villanova has another test. They got Tennessee upcoming this week. That'll be on Saturday, I believe. Wolf. Yeah, that's gonna and that's at Mohegan Sun. That's gonna be an interesting game, that's for sure. And that's a that Hall of Fame tip off. So then they'll play either Purdue or UNC on Sunday. So yeah, I mean there's a there's a lot of quality Big East action coming up in this next week. Buckle up. All right, let's hear your score on this one, Joe. Um, I'm really debating here. I think Providence loses the game. Uh, I think with the uh, and again, I'm going I'm basing this off of a small sample size with a 48 hour turnaround time between the Fairfield and Sacred Heart game. I don't think that this Providence team has figured it out yet defensively. Uh, I think it'll be a a tough and tightly contested game, but I'm going to say Wisconsin pulls away and wins it. Seventy six. 68. I think that's the final score. I, I think Providence will give them a game, and I think there will be times in the first and second half where our experience shines, but I think at the end of the day, we're going to have a couple of defensive lapses, and Wisconsin will capitalize with their with their youth and athleticism. Yeah, I tend to agree there. I think it'll be a lower scoring. This feels like one of those games where maybe neither team is able to get it going. Uh, This Wisconsin defense did look really good last time out, obviously against Green Bay, a team that's not even in the top 300 in Ken Palm, but still. And as for as many points as this Providence offense has put up, 
I haven't been wowed by them. And I think there's a lot of inconsistent players. I would not be shocked to see the Friars come out and struggle a little bit on offense. I kind of feel like this is going to go down similarly to that Providence Northwestern game. Obviously, Wisconsin's a much higher quality opponent, but when it comes to the style of game and the score kind of being a low scoring sluggish game for most of it, give me Wisconsin like, I don't know, 65 to 60, something like that. I think it'll be close. I think the Friars can hang with them for the most part, but this Wisconsin team, I mean, Chucky Hepper and what he can do for them. And they got a couple of young guys who I think are just going to be able to outpace the Friars. I agree. And I think there will be positive takeaways from this game. Like, I, I'm not saying that they're going to lose because I'm pissed off and, and I want to rip on them. I, I think there will be positives. I think Watson and Durham are two players to watch. Horkler as well. Uh, I just don't think defensively we have it figured out at this point in the season. And this is a quality opponent. So similar to the Big Ten, Big East matchups from previous seasons, I just think it's a, it's a little too early to expect Providence to dominate another high-level team early on defensively. Yeah, 100% agreed. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been The Flex Hoops. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. And wherever you are listening to this, make sure you're subscribed so you can stay up to date with all of your Friars content. We'll be back talking to you after this one. A reminder, this one is the 9 p.m. Eastern tip-off. So we got a late game Monday night on Fox Sports 1 at Wisconsin. Go Friars.